Welcome to the Parentpreneur Show, where we interview inspiring entrepreneurs who are making a difference in their industries whilst juggling the joys of parenthood. And today I have the great pleasure of speaking with Alexandra Bon Burnett, who is an entrepreneur, executive coach and podcast host specializing in disrupting the people side of finance, accounting and tech spaces. Alexandra, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm great. I'm great. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Uh, it's wonderful to see you. So I'll just give a little bit of context here. Uh, I actually did some date checking last night and it will be three years next month that we've known each other. It's coming up to our anniversary. It is. Yes. Yeah. What is <laughs> what is three years for an entrepreneurial anniversary? <laughs> no. And what a three years it's been, because, of course, it was uh, where are we? 2023. So, yeah, it's it just kind of mid pandemic as it were, or uh, I don't know. I don't know if uh, yeah. came out of it. <laughs> no, absolutely. Well, that, that's, a, that's a good point, actually, because we didn't physically meet until about last year, did we? So, was it a year ago? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we had this kind of, like, everything was opening up and we met up in a restaurant and everyone was like, and I think every, it was still this air of nervousness about meeting and going to places um, I feel that's gone now, but it's uh, for me, you know, I don't know. Uh, other people might be different, but it's. Um, yeah. Then we all met in person and we fostered, built these relationships, haven't we? All online, which I think has, of course, happened with every business relationship. Um, I've been quite curious. It's it, it is very odd because, yeah, I, that very first meeting where we were caught up in in, in High Street, Kensington, I think, in, in London, um, everyone it wasn't cagey. Cagey is the wrong word, but it was like, oh, cracky. That's that's what you really look like. Yeah. Yeah, it was tentative. It's, it's very true. And, and I think people were just getting used to that whole idea of being out again and doing, you know, so out, out and actually meeting and proper networking rather than over Zoom. So it's, it's quite a quite a it was quite a peculiar experience. So just just to give that context to to the Parentpreneur Show um, subscribers, we met through a business accelerator, didn't we? As as we're both entrepreneurs, both parents, um, perhaps you could give us a little bit of background as to you, your entrepreneur sort of background, and obviously a bit more about the personal side as well. Yeah, absolutely. So. Um... Uh, so I have a company called Ambition Impact, and that is all about working with leaders on their personal brands so that they can have a wider impact in what they do. So to basically build and foster essential relationships that they need to 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 actually grow um, and whether that's internally with their with their staff and team um, or externally with stakeholders, with clients, with investors um, so that they, or even if they're looking for new opportunities, I basically make sure that the outside matches the inside and that they're known for what they, who they really are and what they really do. And, and that's been an interesting thing because actually we're saying about online. <laughs> so um, the, the last few years, it's been, it has been an interesting balance of parenting um and and running this and building this because a lot of this has been through the accelerator as well it's given us those tools to really test things out and grow and and I've I've grown as well but um I actually went into the pandemic with two businesses and one was also an accountancy um business where I ran a purely cloud-based uh accountancy service for SMEs 
And that was so so juggling two businesses and then parentdom, I have to say, it was not easy. So I think we met at a point where actually at 2020, if it was 2021, I was just exiting the business, I believe. So that's a bit about my journey. Um, and that's why I I think now I have so much more awareness. I think the relationships that we've had in our um kind of a, a you know the accelerated groups and things like that have really helped me um not just in terms of growing my business running my business when I felt really down when I felt really high and um but also as a parent as well because that that part's not easy to balance that no I, I, I'll second that it's finding that it, and I, I always describe it as an equilibrium a balance of equilibrium you know sort of a constant motion you're never quite in a perfect space, you're either too much one way or too much the other way. Um, but you just ha- kind of have to roll with the punches. And some days it's like, well, okay, the family side of things needs more attention and you just have to make up the slack. And other days you're like full on into the business side of things. I, I want to go back a little bit further though, because A, I think it's very relevant to your business now, but B, I just find it fascinating as well. You haven't always been an entrepreneur um, and it's amongst all the people I know, we, we've all kind of had this sort of circuitous meandering path to where we are today, but I find yours probably one of the most fascinating. So perhaps we can go back a little bit further and, and uh, you know, cue grease paint, cue, you know, spotlights and tell me a bit about that side. Okay. I see where you're going with that line of thought, but actually, because that, that is, and that is very entrepreneurial in a sense. But so I'm going to go back a little bit further in that um, I did work in corporate. So I used to work in um, corporate roles in various places. So uh, I had the absolute joy of working in places like GE Corporate, um, in London 2012, Imperial College, Regents College. So very kind of educational, very much about being at the forefront of things. Um, and and I and I. I was very lucky to have an early midlife crisis about 23 um, because of a a multitude of things that all seemed to happen at once, which is basically um, I I realised that I really want I really wanted to be involved with people and having a message. And for some reason, the only way I thought that was possible um, was actually by going to drama school. Now, the reason why is because my family are all creative. So I grew up in, and I think this is actually, when we talk about parentpreneurs, 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 and when we, I think we're highly influenced by what we grew up around and what we know. And for me, it was performing arts. Um, We've got singers, songwriters, producers, journalists, actors. That was comedy writers. That that was how I grew up. That was the world I grew up into. So I went into drama school um, at what is then an old age (laughs) of 24, um, 23, 24, and uh, and started training to be an actor. And it's it's hard graft. So, um, you know, lots of late hours, lots of physically emotionally hard work um and then and then I went on and so I I did a couple of years and then I did a further degree in theatre and ended up working but using those skills and that's what I actually do now is sometimes I joke that it's actually really drama for adults because it's all about looking at emotions and how those emotions connect with other people how you connect with an audience how you bring 
authenticity to what you do, um, to how you convey a message, how you can be really succinct and really relatable and, and just make it easy for an audience to really connect with you as well. So, yeah, my route started in theatre <laughs> and musical theatre at that. Um, so uh, and, and I think that actually gave me a really good start in the way that I was you know, you do some pretty stupid things when you're training to be an actor. You spend a lot of time kind of rolling around on the floor, practicing breathing techniques and being an animal or doing this and that. So by the time, you know, you're you're then going into business, you know, throw, making sure you're throwing yourself into sales or, or being completely vulnerable and uncomfortable is almost second nature. <laughs> really. uh, I was just going to think, yeah, uh, that was exactly what I thought. Two big takeaways, well, three actually, two big takeaways are that that must have been a fantastic grounding in both resilience, but also in self-confidence. And the third point that I take away from that is I'm really curious what your best animal was. <laughs> <laughs> so you get given an animal that's okay. the thing and you have to explore uh it's a whole methodology um and basically you do it for some reason it's always along it's Stanislavski type stuff so you you always do it alongside Chekhov so I was in Three Sisters and you have to play like you know your role in the Three Sisters Russian play um you know kind of of an era and you're there having to kind of be a cat or a, I think I got something really daft. Like I'll say everyone, everyone wants to be a cat because cats kind of move really well and, and things mm. in there. And there's something like really, you know, lion-esque about it all. So it's strong and courageous and almost a bit sexy and all those things. So you always want to get that one. Of course, only one person does. And it's usually the, you know, the most wonderful person in the room. And it's that, so that's never me. And then uh, it's um, and I think I got something like a spider monkey or something like that. <laughs> it <was just> like, <laughs> that is fantastic. Uh, yeah, it was, you know, you get like a lemur or a hedgehog or something and you're like bumbling around. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine but a check off into by hedgehogs. I love that. Exactly. Well, the thing is, it, it brings if you notice if you notice how people move, like in a meeting room or in the office, you just or just wherever you love to sit and people watch. And if you think if that person was an animal, what would they be? And you do start to see like how people could be like very um, short little movements or uh, and, and the way they use their voice, like squirrel like or if they can be really soft and slow. And, and, and you kind of see that that energy. So that's that's where the animal stuff comes in. Well, that's very much <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, that's I'm, I'm, I've got a couple of meetings later today. I'm going to sit there and decide what kind of animals they are. That is, I think, from how you describe it and how I've seen you in in action, is very, very relevant to what you do uh, in terms of the business. Um, is that a fair point? Do you actually kind of encourage? You're involved with the financial world, a lot of accountants, etc. And much love and thank you very much to my bookkeepers and accountants. But I can imagine they're quite uptight people, and asking them to sort of you know, channel their inner spider monkey or whatever else must be really kind of tough. That must be a tough gig for you. Well, the the trick is, I mean, I, I don't tend to use the word drama or theatre. You know, it is it is about how you frame things to make people open up to the idea. So if you're terrifying them at the first off, then it's not, it's not, you know, going to work. So we do, of course, it, it is more like, presentation skills, executive presence, personal branding, 
Um, so putting the professional skills on it, but actually, in essence, it's very much the same thing. And I don't tend to do things like be a spider monkey, but we will go like, what can you do? Like, what is it that you want to achieve? Like, how do you want to appear in this room? And usually then you hear the words like something like, oh, well, I, I want to be seen with like integrity. I want people to think I'm a hard worker. I, I want people to know, think I'm confident and I know what I'm talking about. And I go, okay, so what is the gap? Like, where, what do people see you as now? Do you think, in your opinion? Um, and then what do we know? Because often our opinions are clouded by a, a whole different set of belief systems, of what we believe about ourselves. Um, and then it's a case of, well, okay, well, really, what do we know? And if you've been invited, for instance, to speak, or share your opinion on something, then people do already value you and care. So it is really about what you value. Um, and then we can, and then I go from there in terms of how do you show up? What what ways are you actually honoring the person <laughs> that you really know you can be? So let's get you speaking really easily. Let's get you looking to the camera, for instance. Let's get you really uh, engaging and, and listening as well. So it's not all just talking. It's also about, I, I say it's always about the how people experience you. And a lot of that, like any type of experience, is always about how you make them feel. So then we also use things like executive coaching skills to because that's questioning and providing space and judgment-free space at that to really get the best out of other people. It's it's fascinating. I am probably about as far polar opposite in terms of background and upbringing as you. There was, you know, there wasn't a creative bone in our entire house when I was the youngest of four people, you know, and to use the, the, the vernacular of the late 80s, early 90s when I was a kid and a teenager, I was the jock, you know. But so much of what you've just said now is what we kind of heard in the locker room as well in terms of physiology, in terms of presence, in terms of confidence, eye contact, all of that sort of stuff. Um, and it's amazing how you can come to the same path by completely different, so, so the same point by completely different paths, but it, that, and, 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 and come out with the same sorts of results in a completely different arena altogether. So from, you know, the creative arts and drama or, or sport, and, and you end up in entrepreneurism and the psychology, the physiology, there are so many overlaps there. That's what I find fascinating about talking to other entrepreneurs. Well, I think it's, it's also, it's all, it's all just being very human, isn't it? It's, um, that's the connective part of it all, I think. Um, but yeah, I think the entrepreneurial element, I mean, especially in, in performance, you know, any performer really isn't, is, I actually personally, I have this theory, I think every actor or any performer, if you're involved in the performing arts, I think you should really think of yourself as an entrepreneur more than an artist in a sense, because you've got to be really good at your craft. That's just one thing. That's one thing being, and, and to be honest, there are, and this goes for any industry. There are a billion talented people out there. You could find incredible singers. Um, people talk about like, do you remember Suzanne Boyle? I can't remember which TV show mm. it was, but um, you know, she appeared on stage and you actually have people like almost being really rude. Like in the audience, you're catching people like rolling their eyes and, thinking this woman, they're looking at judging her by her appearance. And then suddenly this incredible voice comes out. And so, and the thing is, those there are incredibly talented people 
everywhere in every 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 facet of of uh, any industry but you don't see them and you don't hear them and and so again this is where I go back to like artists if you think of yourself as an entrepreneur then you are making sure that you are not only being seen but you are being seen as valuable and so in the example of an of like an actor are you showing up and making sure your headshots are exactly the way you look so you're not going to pee off any casting directors have you got nowadays it actually people are being chosen for how much like social media presence they have because that lends to the production value um and the same with and the same with things like ceos or people with c-suites and things like that so your your presence your network is your net worth essentially um yeah. so it is about how valuable are you for others and i think if you add that then to talent you've got a winning formula i think you're right so i'm flipping it to the other side you you said about giving people the space and and listening um i think that's also a, a key skill of entrepreneurism you never judge the book by the cover i if i if i had and well i have everybody has and i now fear the opportunities that i have missed as a consequence of that because when i've gone go on then i'll go along to x y and z event or whatever and i come away going oh my god that was amazing i gave that odd you know quirky person five minutes of you know sort of non-judgmental airspace and i am so much a better person for it or that was really interesting that's a great new relationship that i'm developing there i i think that's a key skill if you want i think entrepreneurism and i've only really kind of stumbled across this in the last couple of years that it, it, it is about helping people. It's about finding your niche and then helping as many people as possible. And the most successful entrepreneurs are the ones who help the most number of people. And communication, which is your you know wheelhouse, your forte, that is fundamental to it. it it's an interesting point as well, though. How much of this do you apply to a home life? How much are you kind of in coach mode with your son, consciously oh. or unconsciously? It's very hard. So, you know, um, so one of the things I did during the pandemic is, um, as you know, is I got accredited uh, by the ICF as a coach, as an executive coach, because it's, it's a very important thing. And I like to have a code of conduct to adhere to. And the thing is, the code of conduct with um, the ICF is very much like you. It is what we call pure coaching. So a lot of people get coaching and mentoring. Uh, they think they're the same thing. Mentoring is where you use your experience to tell someone your experience of how you did something um and you give advice um whereas coaching is ne never you're not allowed to give advice <laughs> you literally have to frame questions and space in a way that helps someone come to their own conclusion and work their way through something explore all avenues and let go of things that are holding back and find a way of an action that moves them forward and um and i and they say you know ethically you cannot coach friends or family because you already have your own set judgments and your ideas and you, and we do. Um, so actually I try almost not to get to know my clients too much before I start working with them because I want to have fresh eyes. So with my son, <laughs> this is very difficult because of course I have very set ideas. It's hugely emotional. Um, and and when I say judgmental, I don't mean in the terms of like, you should be doing this, but it's like, it, it literally is my job to form his whole being um, yeah. and and create his judgment, help shape his judgments in the world. So it is hard. But coaching skills I have found have been 
hugely helpful. He regressed, um, I have to say he regressed quite a bit during the initial stages of the pandemics. He went from being, he's an only child and um, went from having a huge social life and spending half his week with his cousins and his aunts and like with family and uh, grandparents house and just like in school and nursery to nothing. And, and two of his parents trying to not have a breakdown while working and save their businesses. Um, so it was hard on him, bless his socks. And there were lots of tantrums. And um, and so coaching actually really, really helped because A, it helped me to really talk with my husband about how we can be a better better parenting unit to give our son what he needs and it it actually allowed me to spot things that I probably would have completely misinterpreted as a mum um I like for instance like having a meltdown and him arguing back at me um is not him being disobedient or naughty it's him telling me he is not getting something he can't process something and he can't get what he needs and he is struggling. So then to go from, uh, admittedly, it would be like, hey, you don't do that. That's not, you know, that's bad behavior kind of being, and, and me being angry about him being bad or something like that. It then changed to, I'm looking at the behavior and I'm noticing what the need is behind that. And I'm here for you. And here is, a, and here is still a boundary. Here is still a boundary though. And, you know, your feelings are valid. The behavior is not. But I'm here for you with all the love in the world. And I will. And let's help you find what you need so we can give more importantly. So I can give that to you at first, but that so you can find that so you can help yourself develop better behavior um, habits to know that if you have all these emotions that are bubbling up and rising up. It's like, okay, what do you need, baby? What do you need? What do we need right now? Do you need quiet yeah. time? Do you need calm? Do you need a hug? It, it's a very, very powerful technique. Um, you know, we, we've spoken about our respective children quite a bit, you and I. And uh, for, for, for me, the biggest diffuser, because like my two kids are like those bombs from the cartoons, you know, um, or Mario Kart's the big round ones you can throw backwards and then go like that. And it's that, wow, I can see you having really big feelings right now. And that must be really difficult to express. Um, I wonder what might be the cause behind that. And you might not get an answer immediately, but it kind of diffuses the situation. It stops that confrontation. I, I, I was chatting to someone yesterday. I, th- I was chatting to a therapist that, that I know and um, being like, you know, hard skill set and all that sort of stuff. I say it's just like physics is when you have two sets of waves, if they're in the same or on the same wavelength and the same amplitude, they'll actually magnify. So if they're at a magnet, you know, an amplitude of one and they're both on the same wavelength, that's going to magnify to two. So meeting fire with fire, you're mixing my analogies here, but you are going to amplify the situation. You're going to make it worse. And I think a lot of it is about vocabulary. You know, you can understand with young children, you know, all ours are under, you know, my eldest is is nine. And so all the children, is, you know, yours and mine are under that age. They don't have the life skills or the vocabulary yet to express all of these big feelings. But it's quite funny 
the number of times I see that with adults, with clients of mine, or with like, you know, business, uh, you know, sort of peers, et cetera. It's like a skill along with like learning how to handle money properly, learning how to handle your, your emotional, uh, you know, EQ, your emotional quotient. Well, is, is not, is not well understood. No. And this is something I feel very, very passionately about because um, it, if you think about what you would have liked, I think now we're, now we're so much more aware. I mean, even did you know about EQ as a child? Our parents probably didn't know. It wasn't it wasn't a thing. Um, but equally, um, I mean, now now. So, for instance, the accountancy, um, the ACCA in 2015 put it as one of their core competencies of being a finance professional. You know, it is a requirement to really understand how emotions work. So, I figure the best thing I can do for my son is to help him understand his emotions and 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 I say that specifically actually as my son because um look the statistics don't lie men who cannot express their feelings are at a high risk of suicide it is more likely um and you never know like people think oh it's someone who's really depressed and someone you know no a lot of male suicides um actually happen from people who you think are absolutely fine because they never never express their emotions, how they're feeling, and 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 when things are getting on top of them. And I feel very, very passionately that my son is not going to be one of those people and that he is going to grow up as well in a in a world where like we had the luxury of growing up in a world where our private lives were private. And once you left school, no matter what your relationships were at school, then you went home and that was it. But now children are have this digital world which is slightly terrifying but they need to learn to navigate it and so he won't if there is a bullying situation later on I want him to feel so at home in his own skin and and confident in himself that no matter what someone says to him it will bounce off and he knows who he is and he doesn't seek validation and he will but he can somehow get back to the fact that he can clearly express when there's a problem, he can just talk about how he feels and let that bubbling rage or, or sadness out because, and that it's okay. It's okay to be sad and it's okay to be angry. That's fine. It's what you do with it. And, and also so he can be that to his friends and be a positive influence to his friends as well. Um, because then those people grow up to be men that, that do struggle and you see this a lot of the time is that actually so many issues that you have socially wise um, now and and especially like isolate there's a lot of studies coming out of course about male teenagers and and young men who are very isolated from society um so it is a case of like well get them talking and make it okay to talk because I think in in our generation as well it's still like you know, big boys don't cry and, and and things like man up and zip it up. And, um, and I've, and I've had to say, you know, and boys will be boys, which I, I, I get that because boys will be boys. And there is of course things like higher testosterone levels and of course they will. But what I don't want that to be is an excuse for bad behavior and bad emo- and, and also poor emotional health as well. I think you're absolutely right. And, you, you've hit 
the nail on the head in terms of the availability or the acceptability of expressing emotions as, as, as a boy. I, I'm still very much of the, the mode, you know, in the old Tom and Jerry cartoons where they'd eat a chili pepper and then it'll go, whoop, and then like the head would turn into a giant like train whistle. That that's me. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Bang, <laughs> bang. And I think having and it's not it's not soft and fluffy and it's not girly like you say you know not it's not about manning up and all that stuff there are really clever little tools out there and i think boys in particular and i'm speaking because you know this is my experience and and with my son doing a lot of competitive sport there are there's a lot of psychology out there and a lot of really clever tools that don't mean you have to go out and puff out your chest and punch someone Mm -hmm. it's it's accessing that and make it more available which is why i think the work that you do is like fantastic. It, you're, you're a really healthy, uh, there's a spectrum of these things, but your way of approaching it, the sort of like, you know, getting in touch with it, using the psychology behind it is a really healthy tonic to the, I don't know, the Andrew Tates of the world who still kind of peddle that mass, you know, toxic masculinity is a, it's a, it's a phrase, uh, you know, yeah. it's a label, but it, 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 his approach is one approach but that people need to know there are a myriad of other ways of approaching exactly that same problem. There's not just one solution. I think that it's a crossover, isn't it? Because as you said, it's, it's to- there's toxic masculinity, um, but there's also, I think there's a, a new wave of masculinity that is hitting, which is being strong, uh, being sporty, being being. Oh, you know, and actually, yeah, really stepping into what being a man means. But I think actually masculinity is that father who scoops up his child in his arms, makes them feel safe, but also says, I love you and gives them a big kiss on the lips and, and gives them the space to be. And and goes, do you know what? I was sorry. I shouted when you ran into the road, but I was scared I was scared because I might lose you and has that openness and vulnerability about the moments when they go, do you know what? I've had a really bad day today because I didn't do my best and I got really frustrated and that have that honesty and openness with your children because, um, and we've all been there when that moment, when you realize, and I think particularly uh, I've, so I've heard anyway, with fathers, is the chill relationship with a father and their children or a, or a male is when they realize that their parent isn't um a god <laughs> is 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 infallible and it has these has it you know has is human and you realize that they don't know everything um yeah. but actually what we do sometimes is create this complete view uh, like oh, we we try and make ourselves superheroes to our kids because we want to be that person for our children but i think masculinity as well is and for you know because so much of it's usually a feminine thing but actually masculinity is also the vulnerability to go this is how I'm feeling right now and I can be scared and I can be um worried and I can lose it and I'm not perfect all the time and but here's what I'm going to be and actually it's maybe it's redefining what being strong really is yeah, absolutely. Strong, strong for me is there's there's two kind of strongs, and and I remember this from when I used to do karate. And you have the oak tree, which is strong and solid. Oops, and uh, doesn't uh, doesn't sort of bend or or break until there's a serious storm, and then bang, snap, done. It's dead. And you know, 
uh, it doesn't exist anymore. And then you have the willow, which kind of blows and flows, but it has that resilience. It has that flexibility to, to deal with whatever's thrown at it. And um, I think that's, that, that's the kind of more modern kind of masculinity is that flexibility to accept what you do know, what you don't know, what you're good at, what you're not good at, and, uh, and, and to be open about it. Introducing Leadology.ai, sponsors of Series 1 of The Parentpreneur Show. Leadology.ai is the ultimate all-in-one digital marketing platform for service-based businesses ready to supercharge your success. With Leadology's exclusive offer for The Parentpreneur Show listeners, not only will you receive two months free with an annual subscription, but you'll also unlock an ultra-smart bonus bundle of clever solutions for your parentpreneur business that will help you save time and unlock a world of opportunities. This bundle alone is worth $997. Just click on www.leadology.ai slash Mike to learn more. I'm going to backpedal a little bit because obviously you mentioned your husband earlier who's also an entrepreneur. So I'm guessing that's either this driven, creative, innovative home, or it's a vortex of chaos, or maybe a blend of the two things. How how do you kind of work two businesses, two entrepreneurial businesses and a son? What kind of strategies and techniques do you use as parents and, and, and as business owners? Oh, that is such a good question. It's been it's been tricky from the off because, of course, when you're not, uh, both entrepreneurs, neither one of you gets, uh, you know, paternity or maternity. Um, I was very sick, um, very ill when I was pregnant and he, uh, I lost my license even because I had, a, they thought I had a heart issue and I'd um, collapsed in my car so then I wasn't allowed to drive. Um, so, and we live in a rural area. So that was even tricky. So he, wow. he calculated that. Um, so then I think we went down to almost a sole uh, income during pregnancy. So right from the start, it was tricky. And he calculated that because of like how much I, how ill I was and in hospital I was and all the checks and scans and things, I mean, he probably had a day and a half off a week um during the pregnancy uh let alone me <laughs> it was and I was really quite incapacitated so um uh, right from the start it was a balance but since then and it's uh, we had to really think of ourselves as a team and, and I even say that to um my son now like in the school run in the morning it's like right you know we we joke I know it's a horrible thing but it's like teamwork makes the dream work uh and it's just like but like we explore what being a team is is that you know, um, it's right. If you're getting your shoes on while mummy's packing your bag, then that's teamwork. You know, that's teamwork. Or if, um, you know, if daddy's doing breakfast while I'm walking the dogs, that's teamwork. You know, we're all getting the things done that need to be done to make everything work and nice for everything else. Um, there is has to be a lot of scheduling because uh, that's the thing is usually you get you usually get if you could have a two parent household, it's that kind of thing is if you have a stable income, we never have a stable income. <laughs> mm. You never also, even if we do have a stable income, we permanently live in the fear of not having a stable income or not knowing when things are going to happen. And so I do worry that we, because we have to say to Seb, like both of us are not like other mummies and daddies. We can't always you know, maybe pay for the things that we would love to pay for. We can't take the time off 
that we'd love to take the time off for sometimes um because if we don't work we're not getting paid <laughs> yeah and um and uh and yeah so it, it is a hard there, there is a I think there's a chaos but equally we're very lucky in that we both work locally he works locally so um he has two offices locally I travel um so we tag team it's a lot of tag team work about like are you doing the dogs right i'm like next week i'm away for three days for a conference um and to do client work and meetings right so are you good with the pickups yep have you got that do we need help in any do we need outside help do i need to book something um right is next week going to be really and you have to let go of things as well so it's like right next week it's just going to be chaos and late nights we're going to be tired so, right, we load up the fridge with three-minute tortellini or um, cook meals or just, you know, and just do what we can to make life um, as easy as possible. So sometimes it, it was a lot of learning to let go of, like, we have to have life like this. We have to mm. make sure it's like, no, if, if laundry just gets done once a week, then fine. You just get what needs to be done done. If we yeah. pay a cleaner, you pay a cleaner. If yeah. you, you know, all of those kind of things. It's interesting. It's, I had a business coach this time last year and the phrase that she kept drumming into me was, it is what it is, you know, good or bad. It is what it is. You can, yeah, we're allowed to swear on this show. I should have said that at the beginning, but you yeah. can piss and moan all you want. I, Cause I know, I, I know you're a sailor. Um, <laughs> um, Cause you were, very, <laughs> you were very polite earlier. You, you, you went pee and I thought that's very sweet. Um, yeah. You can piss and moan all you want, or you can get really overexcited when something really goes your way, but it is what it is because you know, reality will bring you down with a bang. You, you kind of segued or, or into a question I, I really wanted to ask you. And that is, how you manage that sort of financial uncertainty or financial security and well-being and how much you actually involve your son in not not in the decisions but his awareness as to what's going on and it sounds like he is he's he's very aware or you make him very aware yeah it's it's funny isn't it because i i grew up in a household where i was too aware and felt too responsible for the household spending and and but then it was hugely different circumstances you know we'd we'd lost our house we moved a lot it was just me and my mum and um and and so it was very you know it's, it's just one of those things I don't want to put too much on him but equally I do want him to feel empowered and aware about money because I think that money um I, I definitely wish I had had better money habits and better money education growing up and I think that is something that is if I can if I can do that I always think if I can do that for my son like if I can have a you know a 16 to 18 year old that is confident about his health and money habits and his emotional habits then I think um then he can manage anything that gets thrown at him and that's ultimately my aim as a parent is if he is prepared for the highs and definitely the lows of life, then yeah. I've won. That's fine. Whatever he does with his life from then on in, it's fine. But as long as he can manage himself when when the shit hits the fan, great. Uh, yeah. um, and, 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 and when that. it, sorry, oh, sorry. Yeah. Um, no. So money, we do talk. We talk about it because it's things like um, if you don't get out the door, um, this is the action. The action is that mummy needs to get 
to work for this meeting. I really need your help to partner with me to make this happen. Um, and it's that, and then the rest isn't up to you. But one of the reasons why I can't make um, whatever it is or this meeting or something like that at school, and I try to make all of them, but if I can't, mm-hmm. um, then the reason for that is because I want to make sure you can, we can pay for cricket club later. And I want to, because I also want him to be aware that money doesn't grow on trees, um, uh, magical money trees. And that you, that, you know, I put in the work that I love because I really want to give him the opportunities um, that will help him grow. But I want him to be aware about the effort that went into that, um, to not feel responsible for it. And so that's the, the weird balance. Um, but also that things are earned, you know, so we give him the ability to go, well, you want it? Great. What are you going to, what are you going to do? Coaching question. What will you do to earn that money, to find that money? Um, and so then he starts thinking about, oh, what could I do? What? And then I said, and he goes, how do you earn money? So then it just leads to conversations and it just, just start to sow the seed of things like, well, okay, well, what can you do that's valuable for someone else? I think I think they are fantastic lessons, and I, I really admire how you uh, how you do that. We we I'm chuckling. We had a funny situation um, with my son and all his football, and we actually drew up a contract, sim- similar sort of stuff. If I'm doing all these hours and driving and fees, etc., you have to you know have a set of rules that you adhere to as well. And he he does his daily tasks, and he gets his pocket money if the bed's made, the bedroom's tidy, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but we had a particularly disruptive week this week, partly because of half term and back to school, I guess. But I said, okay, here's the deal. We we do cards. You get two yellow cards, red card. And if you get a red card, you're going to miss the next football session, be that a match, be that training or whatever. He got a red card yesterday and he's got training this evening. I'm like, well, you're going to miss it. I said, unless we can come up with an alternative where you're going to learn from it. I said, how about this? I said, if you were a real footballer and you'd been given a red card and sent off, you'd be fined by the FA. So how about we fine you a month's wages? And he went, how much is that? I said, well, that's 20 pounds, five pounds a week pocket money, 20 pounds a month. And you have to sort of promise to be good for the rest of the day. And you could see him thinking and he was like, okay, we'll do it. You know, and he's, I don't know where he's got it from me, um, but he is, he's tough with his money. (laughs) He likes to check where it is on the app. The, the the real the real lesson will come in it like in a in a be it in a month or a year or something when he comes back and he negotiates the terms with you and you and you'll go and he goes here's here okay here's my counter offer and that's do you know because I get counter offers and I'm like yeah. dude I think this no this is not yeah a, they're like how about <laughs> I will go put my socks on and find my shoes and you do this and I'm like no that's no that's not how <laughs> some stuff is non-negotiable yeah do you know so before I before I handed out the fine I, I spoke to, to my wife and I said um how much do you think I think 20 she said no 10 20 is a bit much I said yeah but trust me on this and I went 20 pounds he went 15 <laughs> he went straight back in I went no this is not a negotiation this is a punishment but was a part of you think like into were you having to mask and go I I was I was fist pumping. I was imaginary fist pumping. You know, I I've sent him into shop. His his mum's his mum doesn't do this, um, but I've sent him into shops to actually um, ask for money off and stuff, just so he learns the lesson early on. 
you know yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna steal that i'm gonna ask for that because yeah those are the things you choose so this is the the, um what happened with us this was a couple this is a year ago a year or so i don't know 18 months ago he was quite young and basically um for some reason or another uh andrew's car my husband he um had to take it into the main audi dealership because it only could be fixed there so we drove i drove we had to drive there together so i could pick take him back with us and leave the car there and said Todd all that and he really he fell it he walked around the showroom and he was like he loves cars and he just went at this um I think it was like an A6 cabriolet and uh and then he was like ah oh. and uh and the sales guy who was brilliant um said oh that's that would cost you a lot of your pennies and he goes in my penguin which is his piggy bank he's like in my penguin and he went yes I think it would probably cost you quite a few you probably need a few more pennies in your penguin for that and he went oh and then we didn't really think when we oh you know had a laugh and, and then went back home and we were going out that night my mum was babysitting and then when we came back in the evening um mum said um by the way so I don't know what happened but he basically kept appearing with pound coins and uh and <laughs> we came back in the morning <laughs> and it turns out what he did because he, he'd said well if you go find the money you can buy the car and so what he did, and I, I genuinely don't know if this means he's going to be an entrepreneur or, or just, um, you know, commit larceny. And he said, you've got to find the money. And he went hmm. and found the money, but he literally went around our bedside tables or, you know, where Andrew empties his pockets out, went in pockets and he found any coinage he could find in the house. And he turned up and he brought his penguin. <laughs> And I didn't even know he like, snuck it in the car and these and this money and uh, and went up to the guy, you know, and went, I've got you. You said bring in my penguin. I got my penguin. Can I have the car? Oh. And he was so he was so good. And this guy just looked at we were like, what did you you stole money from us? Okay, so <laughs> you, well, you found money, got told to much. Which is money. what he was told. Yeah. Brought in all your savings, all like coins in this jar to buy this car. And and then and and the guy just went, well, thank you so much. He was so good. Testament to Audi. So good. Thank you so much. Unfortunately, it's not quite enough. And then he went, but hang on a second. And they went in and they had these promotional Audi Quattro Lego kits. And he came out and gave Seb an Audi Lego, an Audi Quattro to build and and gave it to him. And then he said, you keep saving your pennies in your penguin and kudos so I, to Audi. yeah kudos to the guy Audi. i did i said a big thank you because that really taught him he was so thrilled and the look on his face to go no i've saved up you know I, i've saved up also stolen <laughs> but um but i was i said that was you know i did go you did go find money you do have to check it's not other people's money um <laughs> but but that's no, that's a lesson, you know. Take the positive out of that, and that's an amazing lesson that he will carry forward, and and shows that that shows real sort of like, you know, sort of skill and and thought at that. Base. You know, he came across a problem, and uh, he went around and found a solution to it. Um, it's quite interesting because the, there's lots of very good quotes I found 
attributed to you, but there's one in particular that I wanted to read back to you. And I want to see if you can remember why or where you said it. And it's to do with change and it's to do with like sort of like little micro actions. And just like you've described that your son did there, you know, sort of thinking how to solve a bigger problem. So allegedly, I'll, I'll, I'll caveat it with that. You said so often we think it has to be this ginormous thing, but actually it's the teeny tiny little movements that lead up to the greatest things. I'll, I'll put that into context. You said that after a golf lesson that you got as a present. Oh, wow. Gosh. Where did you find but, that? Yeah. I read that and I thought that is so relatable to everything, to being a parent, being a parentpreneur, being an entrepreneur. And I thought that is, it, it's so, so true. It's those little micro, you mentioned habits earlier. It's those micro habits repeated time after time after time that suddenly lead to that big result. It, yeah. So I, uh, the reason I'd had that is that um, uh, I'd had some, had some golf lessons with this PGA master um, at the East Sussex national and and you're paying, you know, the, the, an hourly session is quite a lot of money. You know, you go in and then she she grabbed my, I was holding the club and I had my hands clasped around the handle. And she just took my wrist and moved it half an inch or even a quarter of an inch. It was so small. And, and she just watched me swing a couple of times, did this one teeny tiny movement. And I was like, kind of rolling my eyes a bit going, really? That's, and then she's like, oh. <laughs> and then I hit the ball. And I went another 50 yards and I went, oh, <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'll shut up now. And and the thing, and, it, and it's the same with like the work I do as well. And probably the work that anyone does, it's, it's usually those tiny, teeny little things that make, and, and of course it's your experience that knows it's those tiny little things that make the most difference. So yeah, you know, it could be as simple as, um, could be like the small things of like we were really struggling in the mornings to get out the door and all of us not be really pissed off and stressed to be honest you know have you got your yeah. shoes on why haven't you got your shoes on you're trying to get ready you're trying to get your stuff ready for work and him he's trying to get ready his stuff and we're trying to make the dogs are all done and walked and and it's all chaotic in the mornings and I was like I can't I can't do this anymore this is horrible we're both arriving to work cross and flustered and stressed and seb stressed and picking up on us and I, I can't do it not I refuse I refuse outright to do this and then I really noticed I started to notice he is so full of energy right in the first thing in the morning and then it's like it slows down and he runs out and that's when he's getting dressed and he refuse and everything's a no okay so let's that's a no period let's go and I said do you know what what if we switch it around if it's not working let's not do it I'm a big fan of like ripping up the rule book and going nope it's not working let's just not do that anymore so what can we do okay well he's got loads of energy first thing so I made the rule I laid we lay out his parent uh parent lay out his uh clothes the night before right you're not allowed downstairs until you have got your clothes on then it's go to the loo breakfast and everything changed suddenly we used all that energy all that yes energy right then to get the stuff done and then when he went into his like slow down mode about an hour after getting up, it didn't matter. He can just chill and then we get ready and he can just have downtime. Yeah. And then we got out the door and everyone was happier. And it's so just even those tiny little things. Um, and we had a similar conversation. We've had a red card week this week. So I said this morning, I went, okay, 
we're going to drive to school and we're just going to have a calm down and we're going to have a think about what's, you know, the teamwork that did not happen um, and how we can make it better. Because or, I believe you you always lift them up again. You get them, yeah. you don't leave them ever in a down mood. Um, and I said, okay, here's the deal. The same as you, because we have after school pick up. Friday's my day to pick up. Then it's cricket club, but we've got gap in between. So we started going to a cafe as a treat. Like we do homework and a cafe, like hot chocolate and a sausage roll kind of thing as, as a pre-cricket treat. And I said, no, you've lost that now. You weren't, you didn't, didn't do yeah. the things you said you were going to do. You didn't do as you're asked. So no, you've lost that, that treat. But if I hear, I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask your teacher at the end of the day, if I hear that you were helpful, how about, here's the deal. If you make the effort, if you, uh, if you are a champion that does extra, then you will go, um, I will ask and we will check. And then you can get that back. You can earn it back. You can always earn it back. Yeah. Um, and it's those small little things of just asking him, giving him the opportunity to step up. And and also little things like um, my husband made this amazing little small thing as well, which is instead of go, like he actually pointed out, it's like, go make your teacher proud. And he was like, it's like it never occurred to him. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, OK, I'll make him. But then we started switching it. And then we start, noticed that, go make him proud. And then we started saying, did you make yourself proud today? Just that one little question instead of how was your day? Good. Yeah. What did you do? Yeah. We just started going, <laughs> okay, hey, did you make yourself proud today? And just that one little tiny little kind of quarter inch movement made such a shift in the way he perceived himself, but also the way we perceive, like, it's not about us. Like you go to your swimming lesson, fine, but did you make yourself proud? Are you happy with how you did? Um, so I hope, I hope, I don't know. This is all guesswork. It's all guesswork. I, hope I, I, think, I think you've just wrapped up the whole concept of entrepreneurship and being a parent, so parentpreneurship into one fantastic phrase, which I am going to quote you on, and that is, it's all about quarter-inch movements. That, and that is, it, it is constant iteration. That is fantastic. Um, Alex, we should probably be drawing this to a close, but I wanted to give... Um, the subscribers the chance to find out about your plans uh, where they can find you if there's anything you're promoting or like people to look at at the moment so far Thank away you. uh yeah so basically um please do anyone who's, who'd like to connect i'd love to hear um from you i'm on instagram under my name alexandra von Burnett, or on linkedin same thing alexandra von Burnett. um and uh and yeah we do I mean we do a lot of like personal branding events and classes so do just see that um and am I allowed to mention my podcast that's 100 percent I would expect nothing but, um, less <laughs> if you are interested in things like the how you show up I am reviving uh my podcast which is uh reviving under the name of um brand uh <laughs> I've now brand impact um yeah your my brand of impact so my brand of impact is the podcast and uh, and that's going to be relaunching. We've already got episodes on there and it's it's leaders really showing up at that and turning and we're talking about, well, how do you make an impact? What is your impact? What do you want that to be? And actually, how do you make those quarter inch movements to really show up as that person? Fantastic. We'll we'll make sure that all the links, all the relevant links are in the uh, in, in the show notes there. But um, thank you so much for your time. As always, a pleasure. Never a chore. Um, folks listening in, stay tuned and uh 
You'll hear some more empowering interviews on The Parentpreneur Show coming up very soon. Thank you very much. Thanks, Mike.